Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcome, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, The Game of 97 and ask me questions if I was confusing. As we follow baseball, we have two primary options. Two options that actually, in life, we have basically the same two options. As things progress, we can cling aggressively irrespective of any evidence displayed to us onto something that we hold dear from the past. Or, given new evidence, we can say, you know, that thing, that trend, that mindset that I've been completely bucking may have some validity to it. I know there are a lot of things that if I would look back at the, oh, late 1970s, early 80s, and I was far younger than I am now, there were things that I thought and believed back then about life that right now it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to wear that. I was just a kid then. I was young. I was an idiot. I have a justification for thinking that dumb thing then. Youthful indiscretion. I think that was the term from, wow, how long ago was that? As we age, one would imagine the youthful indiscretions, the changes of mind probably become less. But occasionally something comes along and it's like, you know, maybe that thing that I held to before. Maybe it doesn't hold as much weight as I thought it did. Or maybe now it doesn't hold as much weight as it used to because things do change. Things do change. You know, back in the day, if somebody would have had a dial-up computer hookup, that would have been fantastic. You know, back in 1974, that would have been wonderful. But as of now, no, 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 we don't want dial-up. We want a Wi-Fi spot. Sometimes things change. And as adults, we can either change with things as they adjust, as they edit, as they modify, Or we can say, nope, 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 nope. I am pot committed to thinking of things the way they were back then. Today is a bit of a culmination of me mildly adjusting my mindset. Not total change, not total erosion of what I used to believe in, but in one tweet, 
from, from Mike Petriello. Got me to think, you know what? That thing I thought of back before. Maybe I was a bit too committed to a mindset that doesn't entirely work. Maybe, 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 just maybe. I'm going to open my mind to possibly, I was wrong back then. I'm going to walk you through it. The tweet from Mike Petriello. 97.2 fastball average tonight in the Rays-Yankees game. Of the fastballs in the game, whether they were two-seamers, four-seamers, or sinkers, 97.2 average. Average. That's the second fastest on record. And it came in a decisive playoff game. 97.2. 97.2 used to be, oh my God, that guy throws hard. Now 97.2 is... It was average. You can do better. You can do worse. I know that when I was watching the game early before I took a nap, Garrett Cole was at 99 and change early. By the third or fourth inning, he'd sunk to 98. And through the game, the average was 97.2. And the final score was 2-1. to one. And the Mike Brousseau home run at bat is legendary. For quite a while, I have been a self-avowed velocity agnostic. Seeing the 97.2 fastball average in an elimination game between Tampa Bay and New York makes me wonder, does being a velocity agnostic still make sense? There will still be players. There will still be pitchers like Kyle Hendricks, like Alec Mills, who don't throw the heck out of the ball, that can still get outs. And to that extent, I'm still going to have a portion of a fraction of one of my feet in the door of velocity agnostics. Velocity is not everything. If you can't throw hard and throw strikes, you're basically not going to get it. Dylan Maples throws hard, doesn't throw strikes. Braylon Marquez threw very hard, Walked his first two batters. To be an effective postseason pitcher, someone had better throw hard and throw strikes, or at least throw something that the batter thinks looks like a strike, so they'll swing at it as it plunges into the dirt. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I try to put out 
put, yeah, try that again. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I'm trying a new script. So it's going to take a while for my tongue to get used to my teeth on the script. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I try to put quality effort into each episode, bringing you information you might not get as promptly or completely from other sources. This service is provided free of charge. If you have friends that might be interested in the podcast, send them a link of a favorite episode that might resonate with them. Hitting like, share, follow, subscribe, or retweet is also appreciated. If you need help in sharing, ask away. If this service is worth more than the asking price, most podcast services, most podcast servers allow you a simple link to contribute to the podcast in any fashion you deem worthwhile. Whether or that whether or not that applies to you, thanks for listening. So, as I head out of the complete school of velocity agnostics, how does that change anything? I'm starting to look at pictures in a bit of a different fashion. It's still completely useful to have pictures like Alec Mills on a team, especially when they make in the league minimum range. Players that help teams win and make in the league minimum range are invaluable and it doesn't matter what position they're playing. You can be a quality utility infielder along the David Bodie line. And if you're making about league minimum, you are incredibly valuable. If you are a left-handed specialist and you are making league minimum, you are incredibly valuable. If you are a fourth or fifth starting pitcher and you are break-even as a uh, five or six-inning guy, you are invaluable. However... As the postseason rolls around, teams are going to have different players being added to the roster. Perhaps a developing prospect will be left in whatever is considered AAA in the future. Let him stay there for as long as possible, and then right before the postseason comes... Right before the postseason starts, call him up in a fashion somewhat like Garrett Crochet or Raylan Marquez. Call them up right before the games really start to matter. Let them get just enough experience and then spring them on teams in the postseason. You can still get valuable contributions from pitchers who do not throw 97 or higher. Players off the waiver wire that are able to, at 93, 94, 95, that are able to get out are still going to be important no matter what. Because over 162 games... You're not going to have the manager bullpen 
every stinking game. Through the regular season, the starter's still going to be expected to go five or six innings, maybe seven on a glorious day, and then turn to the bullpen. But come the postseason, if there is that guy who, well, he goes out and he struggles and he battles in some way, one way, shape, or form, he gets in seven, he's not going to get seven innings in a regular se- in a postseason game. If he's tossing garbage, that's not going to get the Dodgers out. That's not going to get the Rays out. That's not going to get the Yankees out. That's not going to get out the good teams that have to be eliminated in October. A person who does all his damage in April through September is perfectly fine. No problem. Once October hits, teams have to have October players if they're going to win in October. How can you tell if a guy's an October player if he gets it done in October? Kind of simple, and maybe even a little backwards. If the guy is going to be able to help the team win in October, as a pitcher, he's probably going to throw really hard. So what the Cubs probably ought to do is, to an extent, if there are two players who are basically similar, and they're both pitchers, and the Cubs are trying to decide, do we want to draft this guy, or do we want to draft that guy? Both of them have similar profiles, blah, 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 etc. Draft the guy who throws harder. With a Michael McAveen, with a Ryan Jensen, with any of a various number of other different pitchers in the Cubs pipeline. Let them throw the fastball. Throw the fastball. And as long as that is working, let them throw the fastball. And if they are going to be a reliever, if, I'm going to rephrase that. If they only have two pitches, they're probably going to be a reliever. If they only have two pitches, get them to the bullpen as quickly as possible and have them work on those two pitches, their fastball and their whatever else, and let them do that. And let them prepare to try to get three outs in one inning and then tag someone else to do the same. Michael McAveen, Ryan Jensen, should they be starters? I don't know. They would be more valuable if they're starters. But if they're not going to be starters, don't have them be starters. If that third pitch doesn't look like it's going to develop, don't bother. Burl Caraway. If he's getting guys out next year in advanced A ball, get them to double A. If he's getting people out in double A, get them to triple A. The only reason to go away from that is a bit of a human issue. I like players getting to all-star games. If, for instance, Burl Caraway starts the season in advanced A-ball in 2020, and through his first two months, he's absolutely carving the league, and it looks like he's probably going to get a mid-season all-star berth. 
let him stay in advanced A-ball until the all-star teams are announced. As soon as it's announced that he has made or hasn't made the all-star team, then you ask him. If he's made the all-star team, do you want to pitch in the all-star game? We would love to let you pitch in the all-star game. Or we would also be more than happy to advance you to double-A. It's your call. Carson Sands, a draft pick of the Cubs in 2014, was in the Midwest League in 2016 and was doing very well. Was named to the All-Star team. And as soon as it was announced he had made the All-Star team, his elbow was hurting. In effect, his career was over. He made the All-Star team, though. And people who want to slam dunk on Carson Sands for the rest of time, well, I can't stop him from slam dunking on Carson Sands for the rest of time. But I can say this, he was named to an All-Star team. Pitchers that throw with velocity, if they only have two pitches, get them to the bullpen. Have him to the bullpen. Have him pitch 15, 20 pitches. Maybe with McAveen, he might be the type that is more of a, boy, I don't even want to use that. I don't even want to use the name because it would bring up some negative connotations. If he's the type of pitcher who's possibly better off being a, we'll use him for 40 or 45 pitches twice a week type of pitcher. Somewhere in that range. Use them like that. Because I don't know the third, the, the third pitch will be there, but if he's throwing 100, 101, he might be able to go through a lineup once. One full time. And maybe even a little bit farther than that. Depending upon how long the velocity stays. At some point, Velocity does matter. Other things matter too. 97.2. It ain't going down, folks. It ain't going down. When I look at 97.2, it's 2020. When you look at the same tweet in 2024, it will not be 20, it will not be 97.2 as the fastball velocity. It will nudge up. Players will be throwing harder. And probably more players will be going for Tommy John surgery. And they will be expected to, when they return from Tommy John surgery, ramp it the heck back up and toss at 99 or 100. Or they will be doing something else. I have long been an agnostic when it comes to velocity. If you're getting outs, that's what's important. There's still something to that. Kyle Hendricks, Alec Mills, if you're getting outs, it doesn't matter how hard you're throwing. When you're facing the best five or six teams in Major League Baseball, when you're down to the last two rounds of the postseason, 
97, 98, 99, 100. Those are probably desirable. When new information comes in, you can ignore it or you can reassess your thought pattern. Either or. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to have that one worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs go. And be nice to people.